tonight. The Incom Corporation is under investigation for allegedly supplying starfighters to those systems in the Rebellion. And a special report. Furious furballs. Indoor natives demand Senate representation. Again, that story and Galactic Lotto numbers at 11. Welcome back, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindlers, to another episode of Hoth Topics. I am your Stormtrooper Corps Captain Ian, and joining me this week is your Scarif Rebel Trooper, John. John, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing, sir? Why are you welcoming me back? I'm on it every week. We don't know. We don't know what you do during the week. We don't know if there's secret episodes out there that I secretly record by myself that you're not on, just in case something goes terribly wrong, like it did with me when I was, like, you know, dying from stones in my your kidneys yeah my kidneys not fun not fun but i'm better now and i am here with you again to talk more about star wars oh i like that thing i know it's a thing we both enjoy last week we talked about solo and one of the things that you mentioned was some of the new costumes that are going to be coming out in the film yes. now We've mentioned it a few times. You are a costume builder and prop builder, and you do a lot of prop work and costume work in uh, Star Wars. What I thought we'd do today is kind of go over some of your experiences building costumes and some of our experiences at WonderCon. We'll have a guest later on. Uh, Katie will be joining us, who went with us to WonderCon as Rose Tico. And then uh, we have a couple questions from some listeners about costuming in general. And we did a couple interviews as well with some of the more popular costuming groups. Let, let's start out with, with your experiences in costuming. Give us a little background about how you got into it and developed the skills. It kind of started off in a, in a weird place that had really nothing to do with costumes. But what it was was, I guess you could call it a kind of costume. In in middle school and high school, I was really into the, the punk rock scene. And there's a very strong DIY, make-your-own-clothes kind of ethic that goes on in there. From when I was like 13 to 14, I, I learned how to sew by hand and then, you know, kind of designing clothes and stuff, which is fun, <laughs> I guess. Hey, you know, it, it taught you how to do sewing and things that i don't know how to do so <laughs> i didn't really get into actual costuming costuming until i'd say uh, about 2009 ish i think the second or third san diego comic-con i went to a few of my friends got really into the steampunk aesthetic we we threw together our own little airship crew with very very basic costumes victorian looking costumes i think that's that's probably where the love of making costumes and props came from especially in the steampunk community what the only thing it really has in common with the punk community is that whole diy mindset and so we didn't want to go out and buy commercially available costumes Mm -hmm. we wanted to make everything by hand so you know go Go to a thrift store, pick up some clothing, take it home, rip it apart, pull out a sewing machine, sew it back together. Uh, the steampunk props is a lot of wood, a lot of brass and metal and and leather, and so learning how to use different hands. So tools what 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 made you uh, switch to Star Wars costuming projects from the steampunk? Like with any kind of genre, I guess you could say, at some point it gets a little popular. The scene, I guess you can say, gets flooded with new people that have caught on to the popular thing. And that's kind of what happened for me and my friends is that it it got a little mainstream 
and you started to be able to get these mass-produced costumes and pieces available and it seemed like everyone and their mother was doing steampunk stuff. It kind of lost its charm for us when we were spending so much time working so hard and spending months working on costumes and you could go to Target and buy steampunk ensemble. So we started looking for other things to do specifically at Comic-Con and other cons. Most of us already had an affinity for Star Wars, so it wasn't that hard of a jump into making Star Wars costumes uh, or making things that were in the same vein, uh, sci-fi-ish type things. Right. It's interesting that you mentioned that the steampunk got very mainstream. You could consider Star Wars very mainstream as well. However, I think that the, the key difference there is that there's still a lot of love and craftsmanship that goes into making a lot of these Star Wars costumes, even though there are commercially available alternatives. Right. And I, I think that the difference is, is Star Wars started mainstream, where with the steampunk, it was kind of like a small thing, a very tight-knit community. But Star Wars, it started off as a worldwide phenomenon. It, it never was indie to, to begin with, it kind of feels like, if, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I think I can. I think I'm catching on to to what you're saying. Uh, why don't you talk about some of your your favorite projects that you've been working on? I think the the first actual Star Wars costume I made was for you, Ian, which is you. You'd asked me to try to make you a Imperial officer's jacket. <laughs> so I I think what it what had happened is I was making a a steampunk like an airship captain's uniform yeah that's right i I based it off of a a civil war officer's jacket not thinking clearly just thinking of my costume i had made a gray and when i had finished it i realized i had made a confederate jacket um (laughs) oops however i did learn that that style of jacket was very similar to what the imperial officers wore so i think when you saw that and i was like oh hey this is i think this can be modified into making an officer's uniform uh, I think that's when you, you asked to make it for you. Yeah. I still had the patterns laying around. I think what what really got me into the whole thing with, with Star Wars is once I started looking at that jacket and uh, trying to figure out what I needed to do to modify it and make it correct, I discovered, a, a, you know, dozens of forums specifically dedicated to just making an officer's uniform. I think, like, the two biggest sites that helped me out were a forum called RPF or the Replica Prop Forum, I think, I should probably have researched this. Uh, (laughs) RPF is a collection of thousands of prop makers around the world helping each other figure out how to make props for movies and other media. And like almost step-by-step build guides uh, in some cases. And then the other fantastic resource is the 501st Legion Costuming Groups Forums. All their resources are divided up by the different detachments. So for your costume, the Imperial Officers Forum was a fantastic resource. Looking for you know where, where I needed to sew the right darts in or uh, what kind of uh, clasps to use to close the front of the tunic. And it came out really well. I still regularly uh, wear that costume to events. I wore it to WonderCon. I've worn it to premieres. Uh, we'll throw some photos up oh, yeah, in absolutely. the linked up and of all these projects so people can kind of get a sense of uh, what they look like. On our website, hothtopicspodcast.com, a few posts back, I did a kind of a primer for this episode when it was going to come out on time until Ian got sick. Jack. I had stones in my kidneys. Uh, I'll link some images of what we're, we're talking about today in there too, and I'm sure we'll throw up some more in the link descriptions and such. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the next Star Wars costume that you worked on was for our friend Catherine. 
and you made a, a, a very interesting custom costume with her. She wanted to do a Ray costume from La- last year, not Force and Awakens. I, thank you. Why can I? It's it's too late. Too much Taco Bell. Too too, <laughs> too much Taco today. Bell. So so she wanted to do a Ray costume, and I thought you know this movie just came out the uh, the year before. We're gonna see hundreds of Rays, especially since there was commercially available costumes everywhere. It's a pretty simple costume to make. I, I took a picture of Ray and photoshop and i just inverted all the colors maybe Mm -hmm. not inverting is the right word but i took all the light colors and made them dark and eventually we decided to go with a a sith or dark side ray so instead of the browns and beiges it was blacks and grays i think at that time we all assumed because ray was proficient in his staff that she was going to end up with a double-sided lightsaber in in last jedi what I did for her particular staff is I got a hold of a couple old Darth Maul Force Effects lightsabers, chopped out all the innards, and created a, a staff that collapsed into a double-sided lightsaber. Instead of the blade emitting from the hilt, the blade emitted what... Well, it's hard to explain. <laughs> well, it, it, that, that was a really interesting... Because I was helping you brainstorm how to actually make that collapsing effect work because the physics of it was was something of a challenge and what you you eventually did is you had the the halves that were the top of the blade uh held in with tension screws and you just colored the the parts of the blade that would have been visible when those sides were held mm-hmm. up and then when you took those tension screws out and pushed them towards the middle where they met the the red blade would is underneath so it was it was a really impressive well, build basically the when looking at pictures of her staff we realized that the ends of the staff look very similar to the emitter side of Darth Maul's lightsaber very similar so, yeah I think that's where it kind of it took off from. The staff itself was just the polycarbonate blades, so the staff was actually really, really bendy, especially with the two metal hilts uh, tension screwed secured to the end of the blades. <laughs> it was very windy. But when you undid those screws and you pulled those hilts towards each other, it created a cool uh, double-sided lightsaber. And you had rewired some of the innards so that yeah, it I, still lit up. I... I took out the soundboard. There just wasn't room for it. I wired the LED string lights inside the polycarbonate blades uh, just straight to a battery. So the staff was, was a really cool part of that costume, and Catherine got a lot of comments on that. You also made a second kind of bonus prop. I was at uh, a Michael's Arts and Crafts store and found a 12-inch diameter foam half-sphere. And I was like, oh, this is this looks like the size of BB-8's head. So I took it home. I carved out the panels in the styrofoam. I repainted it. BB-8's actual colors made the, it's the islands. I'm not sure what technically that's called on a, on a droid unit. Uh, the, the optics. Oh, see, that's, that makes so much sense. This is why I'm here. I took the optics. I... I smashed some plastic and glued it in there. I had a bunch of wires coming out of it. Threw a bunch of flashing different colored LEDs in there to make it look like it was shattered and broken. And we ended up strapping it around her shoulder like it was like a 
upper arm armor that just sat on her shoulder blinking and um, i gotta tell you man when, when i broken. first <laughs> saw that thing you brought it over to to my house i think and you just walked in the door with this busted up looking bb8 head i'm like what have you done and why but once you see it on the actual costume it looks fantastic when children would see the bb8 they would get upset because it's a broken bb8 i remember this one kid walked by and you know probably four or five and she looked up at Catherine. it's like oh she killed bb8 and she looked right back at her and said it's because he was misbehaving and then just walked off. <laughs> and, oh, oh, this, I didn't know that part oh. of the story. <laughs> oh, puns. So you actually started making uh, another costume. You and you and Catherine were working together on another one. I don't think it's finished yet. Is that correct? As far as I know, she hasn't finished the, the soft parts, the cloth parts. Mm-hmm. She wanted a Boba Fett costume. She's a big Mando fan. But she didn't want to do the... You know, just kind of generic traditional Mando armor that we were used to seeing. No offense to the guys in the in the Mando mercs, those, your custom suits are rad. And she wanted to do a Boba Fett themed costume. We took the basic design of the Empire Strikes Back version of Boba Fett, which is just mostly green. It's the only real difference. Mm-hmm. Different blaster. Please don't hate me, Boba Fett people out there that know that I'm. You know the different shade of the visor and blah blah blah, but <laughs> so we took it and we we feminized it a little bit. Um, we gave the helmet uh, more of a Sabine Ren um, feminine style isolate that you see uh, on her helmet and that you see on some of the female Death Watch uh, members in the Clone Wars Rebels as well. Oh, thank you. I thought you were like, no, there's no there's no Mandos in Clone Wars. Cool. No, Man, no, no, we no, need yeah, to, yeah. We're going to stop this podcast and we got some seasons to watch. <laughs> the helmet was probably the most radically different uh, in the design. Um, this is my first time working with uh, EVA foam, but it's a lot It's a lot of fun and uh, anyone can and create these, these things, the armor and the helmet with foam. And it's super light, which is just fantastic to wear. <laughs> now you have uh, one other costume that I want to get into uh, because I think it has one of your most impressive uh, prop builds along with it, uh, and that is your uh, Scarif Rebel costume. Now, this is one for you personally. Even, um, even though you introduced me as the Scarif Rebel, and you just mentioned we are talking about my costumes, and I'm looking at parts of it, I literally forgot that I made this costume. <laughs> so the only reason I introduced you as the Scarif Rebel yeah, is because and I, and I know that I'm and the only one. I only have one. Uh, I only have one costume, and it's Imperial. And I didn't want us both to be Imperials. Yeah, that costume was a lot of fun to make. Uh, I really enjoyed Rogue One for its, its portrayal of combat between just regular Rebel forces and regular Imperial troops. I, I like the whole like Vietnam War feeling of it, but that costume was was a lot of fun to build solely because when I was watching the movie, I realized that the helmets that they wear are just modified uh, U.S. Army steel pot helmets, which I own one. I've owned it since I was a little kid and I was obsessed with military surplus. The blaster armor they wear, I recognized what they were. And I knew that one of the army surplus stores here in San Diego had them for no apparent reason. They are 
mid 80s to early 90s fragmentation vests so i went down to the surplus store they had one of the jackets took it home it was green not okay so i had to dye it dye it blue i ordered a a uh, it wasn't 3d printed it was a it was a resin cast kit for the armor that goes around the helmet and then the rest of the costume was actually pretty easy the 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 jackets that they wear that have like the Carillion blood stripes down the side that aren't actually Carillion blood stripes that you see Cassian wearing and stuff. Uh, I just took a old tan uh, army surplus BDU jacket, printed the stripes onto a strip of fabric and sewed that onto the sleeves. For the pants, I just dyed some cargo pants to to be a I think mine are a dark brown. And then the boots are just they're what's called Chelsea boots. Uh, you know, boots, ankle ankle height boots without laces, a leather cuff around the top. I mean, that costume was really easy to make. I think uh, my favorite part about that costume as a whole is actually the uh, the rifle prop that you made. Mm. It's a converted Nerf gun, if I believe. Yeah. So so Nerf, I originally wanted to make it out of a airsoft M4, which is what the props are made from, and because I have tons of airsoft gear lying around i had the parts however nerf put out a an a280 cfe i believe is the model in star wars I uh, think blaster that you know looks enough like it uh that it could be passable with a, a good paint job uh the only thing i added was a extended barrel with holes drilled into the pvc pipe about uh, inch and a half wide diameter PVC pipe to make it look like the one of the sniper variants that you see the Scarif troops running around with. It was a really cool uh, prop build, and it still functions as an airsoft gun too, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, functions as a Nerf gun. I'm yes. sorry, a Nerf gun. I meant to say Nerf gun. <laughs> so I want to go over one more costume. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about you. You made a Rose Tico costume for. Uh, someone and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later but your your current pride and joy a general veers uh adat commander costume correct so let's let's hear a so, little bit about that i i really wanted to once i found all these resources i talked about earlier rpf and the 501st and the rebel legion uh fantastic for the scarif costume once i found the 501st i I got way too into the minutia of getting everything's way too correct. As much as I like where my costume is now, it's always going to be the wrong color green. (laughs) That's going to bug me. But (laughs) the armor has been a lot of fun to make, especially trying to come up with ways to make it look as screen accurate as possible, even though there's only a handful of screenshots of General Veers actually wearing the costume. So with, with this uh, armor, the best resource I found was the 501st Armored Calvary Forum. There's a, there's a guide on there by a guy named Ruthar. It is a step-by-step build as soon as, once you get a armor kit on how to build, build the armor piece by piece. So where, what websites to go to to get the right buttons that you need, uh, the random greeblies, the random 3D printed pieces. And it's been fantastic. The, the only drawback I've had is there's a p- piece on the back armor that is a plate that is has a has a design on it. There's one shot of and it's blurry and no one can really tell uh, what it is. And so kind of a gray area almost. Like 
there's different ways that can be approved because there's just not enough screen evidence. And it's the, the one part of the costume that isn't completely finished on my part uh, to actually submit it for approval, which I'm hoping to do, you know, within, within a couple months. Well, as some of you know, if you follow us on any of our social media platforms, we went to WonderCon at the end of March, and <laughs> it was John and I, and we also oh, went along with Caitlin Reed, uh, who's joining us here via mm. teleconference, I suppose. Hi, Katie. How are you doing? Hi. I'm doing, doing quite well. So uh, you are uh, a new guest on the show. Why don't you tell us who you are and what you do? Um, hi, I'm a human. Um, I can confirm. I I support pro-human yeah, endeavors. Yeah. Um, I'm on the show because I went with them to WonderCon. I've got a YouTube channel. It's Kate the Slightly Great on YouTube. Kate with a C. Links in yeah. the show notes. Like, I, I'm not sure what else you want me to say. Like, do you want me to give you my whole life backstory? Or, uh... Oh, it's alright. Just anything you wanted people to okay. know. Okay. I'm dating Ian. But... <laughs> yeah, I guess oh. that's that's uh, that's a good thing to disclose. Nepotism. I know, right? It's Nepotism. the only reason I'm on this podcast. <laughs> so we all went to uh, WonderCon, and we did so in costume. All three of the costumes were made mostly by John. It's true. John, uh, what did you go as? I went as General Veers, as I've, I've mentioned a couple times. That that's, that's the costume I'm working on. It's easy for a short and round person to be, since it's not a constricting armor. It requires a certain height to really be in. Awesome. And uh, Katie, what did you go as? I was Rose Tico from Star Wars Last Jedi. And I went as an Imperial Stormtrooper Corps officer, so that's the officer uniform that is black we had uh we had a pretty good time at the convention one of my favorite parts was seeing all the other cosplay and visiting some of the merchant stalls too and just seeing the amount of star wars stuff that they had and of course it wasn't all just star wars but um that was probably one of my favorite parts is just seeing all the different costumes uh, John, what did you? What are some things that stood out to you at WonderCon? The thing that I, I really like about WonderCon over San Diego Comic Con is there's, it seems to be a, a larger emphasis on the communities, the creative communities. At at Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, I don't feel like you get as many booths with independent artists, you know, doing creating their drawings and artworks and stuff. San Diego Comic Con is a little bit more corporate than that, and I, I feel like WonderCon is a, a great chance for these uh, more independent and lesser-known artists to be able to get their work out and shown and be, be more visible. Absolutely agree with that. Katie, this is your first convention in a little while, am I right? Yeah, um, I haven't been to like a proper convention since like Comic-Con like six years ago, I think it was. Um, just cause living in San Diego, I never felt the need of going to Comic-Con when it got too crowded. Cause I could just go to like the outside of Comic-Con and like Carnival, like Nerdist Carnival and like all the different, um, booths and stuff would be outside the con too, they could go to. And I felt that that was a lot better for my budget. And so how did you enjoy, uh, WonderCon this time? I really liked it. Um, this was the first time I really cosplayed, uh, as well. Cause I, I've dressed up as characters, but like never to the extent, um, 
that I did for WonderCon. I liked the um, the interaction with people and um, just like people people's reactions to seeing me dress up was a lot of fun, um, which I hadn't experienced before. Awesome. So uh, I think we all had some pretty positive interactions when it came to the con itself. One of my favorite parts was uh, we, we met a guy, Greg. We have an interview with him a little later in the program. But he had a an Imperial R2 unit. And when he saw us coming, he started blasting the uh, Imperial March out of its speakers. And it was kind of following us around. And and that kind of fan interaction, being able to to see other fans and like going up to them and interacting with them in character or those those fun little right it's uh, it's almost like going to like a live action role play right yeah a little bit like it's a little bit of the the full immersion that you wouldn't normally get especially as three adults basically going to a glorified halloween convention pretty much (laughs) halloween halloween convention in toy fair katie you had you had some some really good experiences with your rose tico costume yeah yeah, I did. Um, tell me tell me a little bit about that. I think, well, going into it, I did have some reservations because um, I'm half Japanese. So, like, I look like, I don't look stereotypically Asian. I look like there's, like, something else mixed in as well as, like, partially Asian. So, one of the fears I had going into it is that, like, um, because Rose Tico is an Asian character... I was played by an Asian-American actress that because I didn't look stereotypically Asian enough, I would feel like people would take my cosplay out of context or like get angry somehow because I was just in the back of my mind just because of how sometimes toxic um, feelings and thoughts and fandoms due to like race and stuff like that. So I was just worried that I was not going to be, I was going to be seen as, like, someone trying to, like, imitate an Asian person, even though I am half Asian. But it didn't seem to be the case when I was actually interacting with people. Um, I actually got a lot of people being like, oh my god, you're the first Rose Tico cosplay I've seen. This is so cool. And it was usually, like, a lot of Asian people. And then they were so like, oh my god, Asian American, so cool. Um, you're doing Rose Tico. Oh my god, I love Rose Tico. I I had a lot of fun because like there was a lot of people that were just like oh that's such a cool outfit I need a photo. My favorite interaction though by far was with Collectress Cosplay is I think her Instagram, and she was there as Leia, and then there was another person there as um, Padme from uh, Clone Attack of the Clones, and they were just like three generations of Star Wars women, and that was a lot of fun. There was also an Asian-American author, C.B. Lee, who was there promoting her um, book. I think it was, like, Not Your Superhero is what it's called. And she was super excited uh, that I cosplayed as Rose, too. So just those interactions were a lot of fun. That's that's super awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually, you know, this is the first time you're you're telling uh, us about some of the reservations you had beforehand. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. I had this fear that I wasn't Asian enough to play Rose. Because you know how a lot of people are like, this is a huge deal for Asian Americans to have an Asian character in Star Wars that's like such a main role. And because I, yeah, it's just I do have reservations because I am only half and it makes me really insecure that people are going to say something, you know. Well, I'm, I'm super glad to hear that uh, people were being, being uh, accepting and awesome. Yeah. 
and you you definitely looked like you were having a good yeah, time while you were there. Really so that, that's pretty great to hear. <laughs> I've I've noticed that mostly in the Star Wars fandom, I I don't really know much about any of the other costuming fandoms out there. The community tends to be accepting of who you are in the costume as that character, no matter if you don't feel like you fit the role enough. Right. Uh, Ian, you and I are kind of bigger guys. Yeah, we are. Uh, we are slightly bigger dudes. I think that's mostly why we went with Imperial officer costumes. It, um, it even, it, it enhances your character. And I, I'm, I'm in the same boat with, with you, uh, Caitlin, where I am half Filipino. I call myself questionably Filipino. Yeah. We all know there are no Filipino characters in Star Wars yet. You know, I, ch- I chose General Veers as my costume. I don't look anything like him. I, I've i never felt in the fandom that there was any negative negative energy pointed towards me because of yeah. I don't quite fit the the correct yeah. look, I guess mm-hmm. you could well, say. Um, I think my, my fear stems from not necessarily the Star Wars fandom, but more of, like, the internet culture when it comes to movies. Because I'm, I'm very much involved in, mm-hmm. like, how movies are made in the film industry. Um, and so there's a lot of, like, backlash when they, like, cast a white person in Asian roles. And, like, I felt like I didn't know if I... Would that be that same animosity if I put on Rose Tico's character because I'm half white? And, like, to some people, I know there's a lot of Asian American people out there that look at me and don't think Asian. Um, and it's, it's also, like, an identity thing. Like, I didn't know if because I didn't look completely full Asian that I'm only half, if that would, like, feel like someone else is encroaching on their identity and their success in having this Asian American lead in a Star Wars movie. Because, like, I do, I do hear the need and want for more diversity um and i I, i'm all for that it's just it's hard to want to cosplay something because like i always have that in the back of my mind this idea of like oh we need more representation but i don't want to like a white person playing this character and i feel like it's it's kind of hard to cosplay based on just like what you are because what i have is limiting like there's not a lot of half Japanese characters out there. Like, I could probably play So-So from Orange is the New Black and maybe a gender-bent hero from Big Hero 6. Like, and that's about it. So, like, going into it, I did have reservations because I know online the backlash and the discussions that people get really heated about when it comes to race and representation. So, I was afraid that my white passingness would be a factor. And... I was glad that it wasn't. Nobody should feel, and and this is one of the reasons why I really enjoy that the the Star Wars uh, costuming community is that they're they're very welcoming in that it, your your race and your gender don't play into the character you're cosplaying is as as much as other things. They're very accepting of. Uh, or, or even how you you appear, like you, John and I were just talking about being we're 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 bigger guys, but we're still welcome in the fandom. I've seen, uh, and Katie, you know, you you're you had reservations about your character, but they they were still really welcoming. Yeah. And I think that outside of the the internet trolls, once you actually get out there with the community face to face and walking around, the Star Wars community. Uh, costuming community is 
super supportive about being inclusive. Yeah. And that's one of the things I really yeah. enjoy about it. Well, uh, so as we mentioned before, John, you and Katie both worked together on the Rose Tico costume. John, you did a, a, a good portion of the work. Um, Katie, how, how did the, how was the costume for you? Was, was it, uh, it being your first real cosplay? Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I might be new to the cosplay community, but I'm definitely not new to costumes, um, being a theater kid throughout high school and college, but, um, definitely it was one of the more comfortable costumes that I've ever worn, mostly because it wasn't a corset and it was a jumpsuit (laughs) and like pants and boots. So it was great. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's just one of those things where, like, after an entire day of walking around, you want to be able to wear something that's on the same level as sweatpants. Just because you're going to have chafing, you're going to have, you know, parts of the costume falling off. It's just not going to be a fun... You're going to be sweating. It's just not fun by, the end, by like, when 5 o'clock Colt rolls around. And just to have something that's just... It's easy. It's pants... You know, there's no, my legs aren't rubbing up against each other while I walk, you know. It's easy, it's pants is probably going to be my new favorite tagline for anything ever. It's easy, it's pants. It doesn't suck in my gut. Like, I don't feel like there's something holding my gut in. I can just let it out, you know. And that's one of the great things about Rose's costume is that it's, well, at least in the movie, the actual costume, it's it's a jumpsuit. And on top of that, it's a little bit oversized jumpsuit. So you, there's a, it's designed to have a lot of room to just be comfortable in, uh, which was fantastic. Equivalent to a onesie. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) To like one of those like footy pajama things. Now there were a couple challenges to overcome uh, with the Rose Tico costume just because of the way uh, John, you kind of designed and built it. And uh, do you want to go over some of, some of those challenges? This, this whole thing started because I was on hot topics website and her universe topics, not hot topics. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. The the store. Yeah. The one that used to scare me when I was a child, but now is full of pop vinyls and things that aren't goth. So I was on their website and their clearance section, and they had a Rose Tico style jacket being sold by her universe for like 30 bucks or something dumb. And they were also selling a, a Ruby's TIE Fighter helmet, and that's kind of what I wanted to buy, but I also wanted an excuse to buy this Rose Tico costume in the hopes that I would meet somebody that would want a Rose Tico costume. That was a fortuitous encounter there. The, the main difficulty that we had with building this costume is that I live in San Diego and Katie lives in L.A. The times that she was down here and the times that I were available never really crossed. So I was making this kind of guessing on everything. Well, and then on top of that, the, the timeline in which you were starting to make it, I gained like three pounds. <laughs> And so, like, I was worried that, like, I, I measured myself and sent you the measurements. And then I right. was worried that because I had gained weight, like, the measurements were going to be off. Well, l- like I said earlier, the great thing about this costume is it's designed to be a little, like, yeah, you know, open. Bigger. So yeah. the, the measurements you sent me, I added, like, five inches to them. And then just, okay, just so, like, oh, if, yeah. if worse comes to worse, it will look a little baggy. 
Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, which which was totally fine. And you actually, uh, John, had to design uh, pants to <laughs> look like part of a jumpsuit. Right. So, so I remember we, we went on a adventure to a very large fabric store and we brought the jacket in with us and we were just going around like putting it up to every single piece of slightly yellow ochre greeny sort of fabric trying to figure out like what the perfect combination was going to be for it or the closest we could get and, and the the pattern design you had for the pants was designed after it, let me know if this is right kind of knockoff gin urso pants yes um one of the big sewing pattern companies simplicity routinely knock out a bunch of i don't want to say fake uh, licensed costumes but i mean it's this definitely is definitely not like definitely not licensed it. exactly uh yeah. and the pattern that i used for it uh that just happened to have the right kind of shape to the pants and had nothing to do with the brand was a Jen Urso costume, which also had a pattern to make Zoe from Firefly. But the style of pants were almost exactly what I needed. And the original idea for the jacket was to cut off the lower half of it and sew pants to it to actually make it into a jumpsuit. But I realized that I really didn't want to deal with having to sew on a new zipper, removing the original zipper and then adding a new zipper. So then it just became a design of we'll have pants that just go over the bottom of the jacket and that seam would be hidden by her utility belt. Right. And the belt itself you purchased and had shipped from, was it England? No, they're mostly only available in England. They're British, uh, they're called PLCE belts and the Rebel Troopers on Scarif and Rogue One and Rose Tico, they actually wear them inside out because on the inside they have this weird loop. Mm -hmm. uh, they're usually about like 40, 30 to 40 dollars to ship from England and we just didn't have the time for that to ship and right. luckily last minute someone in Pennsylvania threw one up for starting bid of $1.25 yeah. so I won that bid and it, the whole belt cost me 6 bucks Very which nice. was so awesome the one thing that I was able to contribute to the costume because I, I'm trying to, to put myself in a position where I'm kind of John's apprentice, but that really hasn't worked out on any projects yet. I usually just kind of make very, very minor contributions. And bring me food. Uh, and bring John food, which in itself is the greatest uh, task of all. Correct. But uh, I was able to... Uh, Katie, you were very insistent that we find a way to get Rose Tico's necklace. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it was one of those things where like, I wanted to go all in and she like, the necklace is a huge part of the character. And like, I was just like, Oh, we need the necklace. Right. Ian, before you go on, I want to point out that I had many conversations with you about how we needed to have the necklace. And you were like, it's such a minor detail. No one will notice. Like, oh, no, I, I still stand. Character. I still stand by my comment it, it, because <laughs> we were on a timeline that was ever shrinking. So uh, I was like, look, if there are things that have to be sacrificed as part of, you know, us but not having enough time. I know that I'm mourning the loss of my sister Paige. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> it's so much deeper than. Yeah. Look, I. I <laughs> I still stand by my comment. However, uh, John was able had a, a great idea to buy 
foam. Yeah, just kind off, of the, off the craft, shelf craft foam. What I ended up doing is uh, taking a uh, a pin and cutting out the the necklace shape and just lightly carving the indentations, the design into the into the thing you know it, it wasn't perfect but certainly pretty good for the the time allotted because i did it like hours before the actual convention but i was happy to get that uh to get that done to to get these two off my back about it um <laughs> katie you uh did uh, a contribution to the costume as well you took a, a wig yeah and... i cut the hair <laughs> yeah, but but you did it really well. Like you got the design down. I think the hardest thing is that she's kind of has like shaved like the bottom part of her um head. I'm like I can't shave a wig. <laughs> so, that was just like one of the struggles. Kitty, I'd say your biggest contribution to the costume was wearing it. Yeah, thank you, thank you, John. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Well, I I, yeah. <laughs> I I agree too. Like you you yeah. looked really good at, and uh, we'll we'll be throwing some pictures up of all the costumes we've talked about uh, in this episode. But uh, it 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 turned out really really well. I was super impressed. Um, but then again, John uh, never ceases to amaze me with the uh, the craftsmanship of of some of these costumes and props yeah but uh like like we said it was an overwhelmingly positive experience there were some some great there were some great shops and some merchants there and some artists there that that we really enjoy as as star wars fans maybe we'll throw uh throw a couple of the the people we brought stuff from down in the link description getting to see all the artists there was 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 fantastic i know katie you picked up a piece of art from from one of the one of the artists and a book as yeah. well. And uh, John, you and I got a bunch of patches and pins and um, I added, I added some, uh, another black series figure to my collection. So oh, have we talked about your collection on here yet? I haven't. I'm saving that's, that that's one. That's an entire show. Yeah. That's going to be an entire <laughs> show of, of collecting and, and the, the mania therein. <laughs> yeah. And but, the controversy you're going to cause should they be out of the box? Should they be in the box? Well, um, yeah. So it was an overwhelmingly positive experience, and uh, WonderCon's fantastic. Yeah. And... One thing I, I would like to add, but just before we end, is, uh, Kaylin, I know you were nervous that you weren't that that people wouldn't accept you for being Rose Tico. The one thing that I was nervous about for the costume is that there was a, a lot of hatred towards the character in yeah. general, and I I was nervous that somebody was going to come up to you to you know like villainify you or you know like throw their their shade at you it would not have ended well for them what i liked is that at least when when we were around you that that never happened it was all always overwhelming support and excitement to see the character so i thought that was really cool and like i thought that was really cool too because that was also like an underlying thought as well as the whole like representation um aspect of it but also just, like, because people online didn't like the character. Um, but I feel like the support of other women, other Asian Americans, other people who were fans of Star Wars, seeing me dressed up as that character was way more impactful. And I think there were people that probably pointed at me and was like, oh my god, a stupid Rose Tico costume. But, like, didn't say it to me, which, like, made 
I don't know if it means that, like, it's only something that's, like, on a fringe group online, or they don't want to tell me to my face that they hate the character. Just the loudest group online. Yeah, it's the loudest group online, and, like, I think the majority of people either don't care or actually just enjoyed the character, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a real important factor, and I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it many times again, is that usually the people who are the most negative are in the smallest group of people. Um, yeah. They just happen to be the loudest, so. And for the record, I enjoyed the character, and I also enjoyed the character because it's one of the few times in Star Wars where I feel like there's a character that kind of looks like me on screen for like the first time ever. Yeah, that's that. It's a it's an important issue, and I think it's one that we can do a a, a whole other podcast on as you well. Think we can solve it. I think I yeah no, <laughs> I I I no. I do. Create one podcast to save the world. <laughs> it's going to be about Black Series toys collecting. Yes. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> All right. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us uh, yeah. to talk about the WonderCon experience. Uh, yeah. We would love to have you on again at a future date. And only if they let me. Only if we. Well, I'm inviting you right now. I I have I have 50 of the power on this podcast. Oh, so. Are you sure it's 50? <laughs> uh, John edits it, so yeah, it. it's more like more like 40. Okay. Uh, right. but as, as long as, as, as long as 60% John is, is, is okay with it, I think, uh, I think right. it'd be I a great time. I will take those odds. <laughs> uh, see what you did there. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and, and talking about the whole thing and the experience and yeah. it was a lot That's of great. fun. All right, Katie, we'll talk to you, uh, uh, another time. Thank you. One of the great things about the, the costuming community and prop building community is it's, it's not just about costumes and wearing them to a con once or twice a year. A lot of these builders and costumers have gotten banded together to create charitable organizations to not only share their passion for the costuming and the franchise and you know Star Wars in general, but to 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 share that with with those in need uh, to try to bring joy into someone's life. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the 501st Legion. And the Rebel Legion, uh, 501st being the uh, also known as the bad guys doing good, who dress up as you know Darksiders and Siths and Jedi or and stormtroopers. Did you almost put Jedi in the bad guy character? Literally, literally unintentional. As I was looking for a remote control to make sure the TV didn't turn off. No, I don't believe you. <laughs> you spent uh, so much time telling Je- people Jedi are bad guys. You actually believe it now? Well, so yeah, the five hundred first, they they do the bad guy thing, but they they always go to do charitable things at hospitals and uh, places like that. The Rebel Legion is very similar, with the exception that they do all the good guys. Uh, what Ian would call the good guys, I would say. Yeah, what John would call the terrorists. And there's there's a handful of other groups that are out there that aren't just these two groups. These two groups probably have the the highest standards for their costumes. They tend to go for, require mostly screen accurate costumes to join. But there are other costume groups out there, such as the Mando Mercs, who are uh, a Mandalorian fan group. And they allow for customized armor and stuff. We got to talk to some of these groups at WonderCon 
and I actually was able to interview a couple of their members uh, from the Mando Mercs, the Rebel Legion, the 501st, and if costuming is a daunting task for you and you're more uh, engineered-minded, the R2 Builders Club was also there, and we got to talk to them. So I'd like to introduce a couple clips here, John, if you will allow me. Solely with the caveat to just remind everybody that these were recorded on a phone in a very loud exhibit hall, so the sound quality isn't what you come to expect from a regular broadcast of Hoth Topics. But we did our best to clean it up as much as we could, so please just keep that in mind. So the first person I'd like to introduce is, uh, I talked to Dale from the Mando Mercs group, and here's what he had to say. All right. So, um, real quick, what led you to the Mando Mercs in the first place? Um, they're... The charity work they do more than anything, and then the customize. We have our own custom armor that represents us. The ability to customize my costume versus. I love what the Rebel Legion and the Five Hundred First do, but I want something more customized. Right, so a little bit more restrictive yeah. there. Right. Cool. Um, what's your favorite part about coming to conventions with all these fans? Um, interacting with other fans, and and this is a. <laughs> At regular events, we don't get together in a big group very often, so it's cool to see people from other clubs and our own club that we don't see as often and hang out. That's awesome. And uh, do you have any advice for people who'd be starting off looking to join the Mando Mercs? Um, join our forums. Join, join our forums. forums and do your research. Okay. That's I'm hearing that one a lot today. Yeah. Do your research. Like 4 Do your yeah. research. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, thank you very much, Dale. And a big thank you to Dale and the Mando Mercs for taking some time to talk to us. The next group I was able to talk to was the Rebel Legion, and Michael was kind enough to step aside and answer a couple questions for me. So let's hear what Michael has to say. All right, Michael, uh, what led you to the Rebel Legion in the first place? Uh, the charity aspect. Being charity able aspect? to be able to put a smile on a kid's face when they could be having a rough day. or We visit, we visit a lot of hospitals. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of charity events. And seeing a kid smile is just everything. That's it's awesome. so rewarding to be in a club like this and be able to do that. That's fantastic. And um, I have my, my notes in my pocket. I was like, I did this three times already. I can remember all my, sure. my three quick questions. What were they? Um, I think the second one was... Uh, what's your favorite part about coming to the conventions and seeing the Star Wars fans here? The amount of the, the cosplay that out, that's out there, the different costumes that everyone does, it's so much fun. And it acts as a really good recruiting event for us to, to get more members, because the more members we have, the more events we can go to and reach and touch out to and reach, awesome. reach out to people. That's great. And what would you what advice do you have for people who are looking to get into the Rebel Legion, looking to start off? Ask for help. We're here to help you. It's, we're not standoffish. There's tons of uh, help online, as well as, you know, we're Southern California. We're Sunrider based. We have our own forum. Come to us. Ask us what you're building. And the worst thing to do is to go out there and go buy something that might not be quite there and mm-hmm. be like, well, what happened? So. We're here to help, and, and awesome. we want as many members as we can get. Like I said, it helps us go to as many events as we can go to, so ask for help. That's the biggest advice I can have, and, and we're all here to help. That's great, man. 
Well, that's all I got. Thank you so much. And big thanks to Michael and the Rebel Legion for answering my questions. Uh, next, we ran into Lance, and Lance was dressed as a death trooper, and he's a member of the 501st, and he had some insights for us as well. All right. So, um, real quick, what led you to the 501st in costuming in the first place? Um, I've always been a big Star Wars fan, and uh, once I, I actually went out to a charity event one time, and I saw them there, and it's something I already kind of wanted to do, to build a suit, mm-hmm. but then once I saw them, that I could build a suit, be a part of this, and do the charity and all that kind of right. stuff at the same time, it kind of was a no-brainer at that point, so. Awesome. Um, uh, what's your favorite about favorite part about coming to conventions like this and seeing all the Star Wars fans? It's, it's interacting with people because um, you know we do a lot of events and especially if you're more of like an obscure character you're not a Darth Vader or something mm-hmm. you know you can go to um, you know a million other things and doesn't everybody doesn't necessarily know what you are but it doesn't matter where you're dressed as here somebody knows who you are and they're oh Death Trooper I've got a t-shirt on and you kind of think so you see the real fans of that's you're, awesome. you're all of the characters not just you know the, the hero characters kind of sweet so. and uh, last thing what advice do you have for any new cosplayers or people who want to start up get into this uh, community? Um, don't, don't be afraid just to jump right in it. This was my very first suit that I ever built. I'd never built a costume before. Nice. Um, and it's a lot of learning. It's a lot of trial and error. But, I mean, there's tons of resources out there. You can jump on YouTube. You can jump on any one of the forums for the 501st. Um, and there's a ton of information available and people that are willing to help out. Even amongst us, you know, we do armor parties. So if you're an up-and-coming member and you'd like some help putting your suit together, get in contact with the garrison and you know we'll let you know next time there's an armor party bring all your stuff to somebody's we, we pick one spot to all get together and help each other out and share knowledge and awesome so you just kind of have to jump in and be willing to take a take a bit of a risk so. fantastic well thank, thank you very much, much to lance and the 501st uh, the for answering my questions i was also able to meet up with a couple people from the r2 builders club and this is the club that builds the droids the R2 units, BB-8s, and all of those other wonderful little droids you see wandering around conventions. James and Victor were able to answer my questions as well, so let's hear from them. So, um, what let you get? What led you guys to the R2 Builders Club in the first place? Well, for me, actually, uh, I went to Star Wars Celebration One in Denver, Colorado, and it was actually a pair of brothers that were the first to build an R2 named the Yonsma Brothers, uh-huh. and they made the very first homemade R2 that was actually made in 1977, and they brought it to that convention, and afterwards I just went online trying to find people that made R2s, so, and I came across the R2 Builders Club, that was a, a Yahoo group at the time, actually I think originally it was an AOL group, Okay. and then it shifted to a, a Yahoo oh, group, coming. and now it's now we've got our own independent website to run our group. That's awesome. How about you, Victor? What led you to the R2 Builders Club? Um, well, of course, R2's always been my favorite character, and I went to, um, in 2005, they had the promotion at Walmart for a toy promotion, and I went out to go to the, check out the toy promotion, and the 501st and Rebel Legion group were there, and there was a R2 running around as well. So I asked the guy about it, and he told me about the club, and I signed up like the same day. That's awesome. Uh, what is your guys' favorite part about coming to conventions with all these different fans of the franchise? Yeah. 
No, I mean it. That, that's what. That's what's awesome. Is the fans, the fans' reactions, the little kids that are like, "Oh my God, it's R2!" And they they come running up and they kind of get a photo and whatnot. It's, it's absolutely priceless. That's that's what that's what it's for. Or like the, the you know the families that have disabilities or something, and it's just the light that lights up behind the eyes when they see the movie R2 working and running and beeping and talking to you right then just makes everything just fire and make, makes it absolutely amazing. That's awesome. How about you, Victor? Same thing. You want to get a happy reaction. So R2 is supposed to make people happy and when people are delighted and surprised to see him out there and they they run over and take pictures, you know, that's why we build them. Awesome. And uh, last thing, what advice do you guys have for people who are just starting out, interested in joining R2 Builders or any other fan group and yeah. um, like R2, what are their first steps? With the R2 Builders Group, the Wallet Builders Group, the BBA Builders Group, all of them, we're, the major step is to understand you gotta, there's different ways to build it. You've gotta figure out what your way is gonna be. There's ways that you invest time, money, and tools, and you gotta learn how to use the tools and things like that. And there's other ways where you can buy the parts and just assemble it like Legos. Yeah. Uh, one way it costs, you can do it as cheap as like 500 bucks. Another way, you, there's droids that get up around $20,000 for all the bells and whistles that you can think of. It's what you want to do. And like when you come to our builders groups, like if you were on Facebook, any of one of the groups, just type in R2 Builders, BBA Builders, Wally Builders Club on Facebook, you'll come across the groups. There's always a link to our websites, but basically there's a, a, a readme page that just says, you need to do your research, you'll understand how we built it, you'll understand that there's different ways to build it now, and you gotta just kinda work out what's gonna work best for you. Our always best recommendation, especially like with R2, is build the head. If you, if you build the head and you, you burn out, at least you've got a really cool head. Yeah. And a really cool prop for your table, something to talk about. And if you get past that point, then you can build the rest of it. Awesome. Victor, any first time advice from people who come to Yeah, especially for R2 builders, um, definitely check out the website astromech.net. We have the blueprints for free, we have tutorials, people keep their blogs there, uh, parts are made available there. So it's, it's definitely the first resource you're going to want to check out, astromech.net. Awesome. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, so while you were doing these interviews, uh, Caitlin and I were off talking with the Rebel Legion guys, and this is actually the first time that I've been able to actually sit down and actually listen through those interviews uh, without the mindset of just going through to clean up the audio. One of the things I found really interesting is that I believe every every group said that what got them into it was the charity work and uh, or something to the effect of bringing smiles to people. Yeah. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, that was that was uh, one of the common threads throughout all of the all of the people that I talked to and they they're really into it and bringing bring that that bit of joy and that that fantasy of Star Wars to life is uh, a big part of what they do. And it's it's definitely one of the reasons why I personally am considering joining some of these groups. And they just do a great job. 
Thank you very much to James and Victor and the R2 Builders Club for answering our questions on that other clip. I've got one more clip to play for you. Uh, we met a guy named Greg who had built both an R2 and was a member of the 501st. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, so I only got the last half of this interview clip, but it's still pretty good, and I would like to share it with all of you. <laughs> so, what's what's your uh, favorite part about coming to conventions like this? Just the people. Like people have a really good time taking photos and having fun, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's cool, especially the, the kids. Oh like, yeah. When I drive the dried up to the little kids and I start talking to them and interacting with them, just seeing their face light up, it's pretty awesome. And if you had any advice for uh, new people coming into the hobby of costuming and joy building, what would you uh, what would you tell them? Enjoy the process. Yeah. Because. Well, my droid took me a little over four years to build, so it's it's a marathon. It's definitely not a sprint. And so part of the enjoyment is the actual working on the project. Don't rush it. Do it right the first time, and then when you're done, you have a really nice-looking product. Nice. And what was your name one more time? Greg Bellows. Greg Bellows. Yes. Thank you very much, Greg. And thanks a lot to Greg for giving us a little bit more insight on his personal experience with these groups. Purely by coincidence, uh, today before we recorded, I was on Twitter and uh, Sal Perales of the Now This Is Podcasting podcast, and uh, the his family is the quintessential Rebels cosplayers. He had some photos up of his family cosplaying in their in their Rebels outfits, and I was able to ask him uh, if he had any advice uh, through Twitter. Uh, if he had in, any advice for new people. And uh, he said, quote, I have lots of my build info on our site at therogerebels.com, but I suggest reaching out to your local Sabre Guild International, Rebel Legion, 501st, and Mando Mercs for lots of help and knowledge. So these groups that we talk to are, are and I think, John, you too, with your, um, you mentioned how much the, the forums and, and the, the mm -hmm. costuming community around uh, made by these groups really helped out it's it's definitely the way to go when you're starting out even if you're not ready to join a a group just yet the community is there to help you get into the cosplaying community and there are resources out there for you in order to teach you kind of the basics and how to get into it and i think that you and i have both benefited from that and uh, lot, lots of other people have too. John, we do have a couple questions uh, from our listeners. Kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know people listened. I know. It's weird. Well, we knew Mike listened. No, it's not, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, our first question comes from uh, our friend Kai. Uh, when you're working on a project and you mess up, do you start over or do you move on? Uh, it, it depends. It depends on how far along I am, uh, personally. If I'm working on, let's say, one of my blasters, and I accidentally uh, cut it in half, say, uh, which has happened. Um, <laughs> you, you've cut it in half accidentally? Yes. Uh, it's very thin plastic. Anyway, <laughs> um, if if I have a, a way to fix it... Um, that is cheap to free, then I will go ahead and fix it. But if it's if it's something that's uh you know beyond repair, I might have to uh, just scrap it and start again and hope that I can 
you know, salvage something uh, from the broken thing that I can put into my new thing. I, I think personally, my opinion on that is it really depends on the project that you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. If you're doing something uh, that is, you know, you're trying to get it approved or you're going for super screen accurate, there are going to be times where if you if you mess something up, you're going to have to start over at least that section or mm-hmm. that portion of it in order to get it to where you want it to be. But if you're doing something like a, a custom costume, a uh, custom character, or something that's a, a little bit looser, you know, you don't have as many restrictions on your build, sometimes those those mistakes or screw-ups can turn into uh, re- really creative uh, solutions and pieces of your costume to give it more more personality or come up with a, a unique way to to make the costume more your own. So mm-hmm. it, it really depends on what you're doing, if you would have to start over or not. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Our next question. Oh, thanks, Kai. Yeah, thank you, Kai, for, for asking a question. And we want to hear more questions uh, from, from our audience. Let us know. Specifically Kai, though. Specifically Kai. You're on the hook now, buddy. Um, our next question or questions comes from, uh, Taylor in Idaho. Uh, are there legit, are the legit costumes made out of similar materials? If so, what are those typically? And he'd also like to know how long does it take to make a high quality costume? Who, uh, I have, I, I know I have, um, uh, talked Ian's ear off talking about different types of stormtrooper armor in the past of uh-huh. random research that of knowledge that are now in my head. Uh, unfortunately, one of the things I've never really looked at is what the original ones were made out of. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the same process as the new ones are, or the newer ones, which is usually a, uh, uh, a polystyrene type of plastic uh, heated up and pulled over a uh, a rubber or clay mold to create the armor, at least for stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know, uh, stormtrooper armor made out of this plastic is light and you know more comfortable than fiberglass, like my Veer's armor is made out of. Right. Um, what was the second part of the question again? Uh, if so, what are the materials typically? And that that okay. really depends on your costume. Yeah. Mo- yeah, most most imperial armor stuff is is the polystyrene plastics. Um, I I've had experience and have seen a lot of the 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 Manda Mandalorian merc guys use EVA foam to create their armor. Uh, maybe right, not yeah. their helmets, but at least the the chest armor. And I think to one one uh, thing to point out for. Uh, these are some a lot of the 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 rebel and resistance costumes and uh, anything that looks vaguely militaristic. Chances are, uh, some of those pieces are actual real world military surplus. Yeah, like, with slight modifications. With slight modifications, so the materials really vary. Um, how long does it take to make a high quality costume? Um. That really depends on the builder. Yeah, um, I agree. So my I've I've been trying to make my Veer's costume as high quality as possible, and I've started working on it last year, just before Comic Con. 
and I'm still working on it today. Uh, just trying to get everything in the right shape, uh, you know, the right piece in the right spot, as close as I can to screen accurate. Uh, and that's and my armor is two, three, four, five pieces, six pieces if you include the belt buckle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people working with like stormtrooper armor, it's you know, it's it's far more than the amount of pieces I'm working on. Uh, the, all the strapping is different. Uh, I mean, there there are places you can go to just get bags of fasteners specifically for your stormtrooper armor. Um, so I and, and in the interview earlier, you heard from the uh, the R two builder. It said it took him four years to build his uh, R two unit. You know, just to take the time to, just to do it right. You know, it, it all depends on how comfortable you are with the tools uh, at your disposal. And it's important to know, too, that, you know, we talked about all these resources out there and, and our, our interviewees also mentioned, you know, there's a lot of resources out there and, you know, it'll depend on the material and the, the time you're willing to put in and the quality of the costume, your, your, the quality you want to make it. But no matter what your project there's going to be a way for you to get it done um with with some with some assistance and uh that can you know just depending on 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 all of those factors it could vary in time uh greatly yeah definitely well john this has been another pretty long episode of hot topics and you say that right now at the hour and 50 minute mark but let's see what happens when i get done editing well hello my lovely lothcats this is john and the edit bay with an urgent update you may have noticed that just now i mentioned that we are at the one hour and 50 minute mark in this recording however as i know you are checking the time codes right now you will notice that you are only at the hour and 10 minute mark why is there this time discrepancy you may be asking yourself Well, dear listeners, it's because here at Hot Topics, we like to give you, the listener, the best possible podcast listening experience that we could possibly give you. That is why roughly 30 minutes of content was cut due to it not truly reflecting the main theme of our topic tonight. However, instead of just tossing this content into the garbage chute, we have decided to shut down the trash compactors of my computer's recycle bin. Do not fret, my terrified little tauntauns. Discussions and content cut in this manner will still be made available to you via our main podcast feed in a more raw, less edited fashion that I like to call Hoth Topic Nights. So until next time, my wibbly wampas, this is John in the Erbe, signing off. Yeah, I still think we're going to have a, a longer than normal episode, but you know what? It was filled with uh, a lot of good information that I think uh, a lot of Star Wars fans uh, out there are kind of interested in, in costuming and don't really know where to start. So hopefully mm-hmm. we've been able to answer some of those questions, and uh, if anybody has anything that they'd like to ask in addition, maybe something we didn't cover that you really want to know, go ahead and shoot us an email at hothpod at gmail.com or send us a tweet at hothpod. I think that's going to wrap it up for the day or Uh, night. We we will be sure to 
at least try to remember to add links to the different uh, costuming groups in on the website and in in the uh, link below if you're watching on YouTube. Absolutely, um, we want to get those resources out to you guys, and uh, if if we can't answer your questions, maybe they can. So thank you again to the Mando Mercs, the Rebel Legion, the 501st, and the R2 Builders Club for being awesome and letting us interview some of their members. A special shout out to the, our, our local clubs, uh, Imperial Sands uh, for the 501st and Sunrider Base for the Rebel Legion, who isn't just San Diego. Uh, they're a I'll pretty see, big chunk. Yeah, right? they're a, I, 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 I believe they said Ventura. I should have been paying attention when I was talking to them. Absolutely. And I cannot pronounce our local Mando Mercs uh, uh, clan name. But so, we will uh, put it, the link in the description. It will be in the description, so please don't disintegrate me, you guys. Before we say our final goodbyes, John, uh, I want to start uh, a new segment for the podcast. Okay. You and I started this podcast because we were inspired by uh, a couple different podcasters who love Star Wars and love discussing it. And they, in turn, inspired, you know, smaller groups like us to start out. So I want to start giving out some shout-outs to some podcasts that you and I listen to and we think are are good and ones that... Some of the bigger ones that you may have heard of that inspired us and uh, some smaller ones just starting out like us who you may not have heard of. And uh, we think you should. Sound like a plan? That sounds good to me. All Share right. the love, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So the first podcast uh, I'd like to give a shout out to this week is Steel Wars. Oh, classic Steel Wars. Classic Steel Wars. Steel Saunders of the Steel Wars podcast. Every week he finds interesting people to talk to about Star Wars. From other podcasters to people involved in the actual productions. Which is awesome. He was a very big inspiration to us, uh, and probably uh, the first podcast that I really started listening to in terms of Star Wars um, that really got me interested. He's an awesome guy. He's got great guests on. Uh, he's currently on his 168th episode. If you're, if that seems like a daunting task and you're looking for one to start off on, I recommend episode 163, where he interviews Ben Mendo Mendelson, who played Director Krennic in Rogue One. It's a fantastic uh, episode, great interview uh, with a, a great actor, and Steele is a comedian by profession, and he's a really funny guy, so I definitely recommend checking that one out. One other podcast I'd like to give a shout out to is Dex's Diner. Dex Designer is a new podcast like us. Uh, Brad, Katie, and Joe, not the Katie that we had on earlier, different Katie, host a new Star Wars podcast going over a number of interesting topics. They have a lot of great opinions, and they're super fun to listen to. They're just starting out, so give them a listen. Dex'sDinerPodcast.Podbeam.com They're on their fourth episode currently. I really enjoyed their third episode, where they go over celebrating the women in Star Wars. Uh... We got into a little bit of a discussion about representation uh, with our Katie, and I think these guys go into a really good episode celebrating that. You going to check out any new podcasts there, John? 
Uh, I haven't listened to a new podcast since we started this show. Well, you've got to get on that, buddy. I can't be the only one. There are so many out there. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to Hoth Topics. Go ahead and send us a tweet at HothPod. Shoot us an email, HothPod at gmail.com. Check out our website, HothTopicsPodcast.com. We've got a Facebook page. We're on YouTube. We're on Google Play and iTunes. You can find us in just about every medium that you can possibly think of. We really appreciate you guys listening. We want to hear more from you. Just keep the questions coming, and we'll keep trying to bring you awesome, cool, new Star Wars discussions. Or just me yelling at John for telling me that Rebels are bad. They are. I don't, I don't understand. Uh, see? Stay tuned for more of that. Uh, I've been Ian. I have to figure out how to create a theme song for our new segment. Uh, does this piss off Ian? That is John. I wonder if he'll add the song in there. Oh, I won't. Good. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you next time. answered our set of questions for us regarding that let's start this over this was so bad it was so bad